I don't have a clue. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good at this. I have not, I've, I'm not an expert at this. I am telling you, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us into this work. I don't have a clue what it means for us or how it will work. I'm just telling you, this is a thing. At Redeemer, as we continue growing in our understanding of our own story, we are gathering and sharing the stories of the people in this place. With our new podcast, Interrupting Grace, Living Into the Way of Love, we will share these stories, the stories of grace and action, the stories of love in the world, the stories of living the way of love. How are you the interrupting grace? In this episode, we hear Philip Duvall's story of how Redeemer was and is being called into the work of Becoming Beloved Community. This story was shared during a Becoming Beloved Community teaching held by the diocese. To hear the full teaching with this and other stories from across the diocese, check out our Becoming Beloved Community podcast. So my wife and I and family, we moved out to Cincinnati four years ago, just about uh, four years ago. We started at Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, which is in the Hyde Park neighborhood. We started uh, uh, four years ago last week. Um, and um, uh, kids go to school, the local school, Kilgore. And uh, my daughter started kindergarten. Uh, school had already started when we got here. So she, she jumped into kindergarten and um, her birthday was coming up. Uh, she'd been here, it was, her birthday came up in January. So it was, we'd been here just a few months. and. Um, we were very disorganized people, and by were I mean are still um, disorganized people, and uh, so we didn't. We'd immediately lost like all of the contact information for all the other parents. We were going to throw a party for my 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 daughter. She turned six, and so we went to the kindergarten teacher and said, "Hey, is there a way that we can just bring the invitations to uh, to people at the school, at the, like during class, instead of mailing them?" And she's like, "Yeah, that's fine, but you just have to inter- you just have to invite the whole class." 20, 22 kids or 23 kids or something. And I was like, and she said, don't, don't worry. They won't all come. Um, they all, they all came to the party. So, um, uh, which was fine. Uh, we had it at this, this bounce house place in Blue Ash and, uh, you know, just like one of those little mini walking Petri dish places where everybody bounces around and they, they kind of cycle the kids through and they, they go to this little room and bounce. And they go to this little room and bounce. They go to this little room and bounce, and they, then they bring them back to the bring them back to the to the room with the bench and the the table so that we can eat cake, pizza and cake. And I'm and I'm on one end of the table, and all the kids are gathered around, and they're all the way down. And I look down this table, and the table's just so many colors. Um, there were there were um, Paige's particular class in kindergarten was about uh, 60% white, 40% uh, people of color, um, black, um, uh, uh, some uh, Middle Eastern, um, some, some East Asian, um, just across the board. And, 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 and um, you know, just in Redeemer, my, our, our church, which I love very dearly, um, is, is very white. It's a, it's a very white church. Uh, I don't know if you could like, if there's grades of white, Redeemer is pretty white. Um, um, there, there, uh, are, there, there, there have been, and there are different times, um, there's a minority presence, but it's, it's just a very small, very small minority. And it's a very white church. Hyde Park, as most of you know, is, is a neighborhood with resources, Redeemer's a church with resources. So it's not just white. It's like, um, the, the energy of the place is sort of a well-resourced white whiteness, right? Um, so, uh, but 
but when they invited me to look at this, when I, when I was looking at this church and, and when I was part of the process, the search process, and I looked at the parish profile, I actually was looking at the parish profile tonight from back in 2016. And it's talking about the places they believe that they're being called to go. And it says, one of the challenges that we face as we live into our calling include developing more cultural and socioeconomic diversity in our congregation. Um, so they said it. Now, whether they meant it or not, who knows, but they said it, right? They're like, this is a thing we want to do. Well, here I am, so flashback to me at this birthday party and I'm looking down this, I'm looking down the table and I'm seeing all of these kids and I'm, my daughter's six and these are her friends. These are the people that she's gonna grow up with. These are the people that she's gonna go to school with and get to know. This is her experience of what people are supposed to be and I love that, I wanted that. And then it dawned on me, my daughter's not gonna go to Redeemer 30 years from now. Why, why would she do that? My daughters, we are making a point um, of, of trying to put her in situations that are racially integrated and, and to, to foster that, to develop that and to develop, develop her, her racial awareness and, 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 and to create a sense of belonging to a wider swath of humanity than just people who look like her. We're actively and intentionally doing that. And yet our church doesn't reflect that in churches are life. I'm a rector of this church, I'm a priest. I, I've given myself to it. I love it. I love what we do. And, and our, our faith is an important part of our lives and our families. But it doesn't reflect what her school looks like. And it won't reflect what her workplace will look like as far as I'm concerned. And, and so eventually she's going to hit an age. And I thought, why would she go here? Which is the question I posed to my vestry at the vestry retreat a month later. Uh, I, I told them the same story. And I said, I love this church and I love you. I didn't come here to blow things up. And my daughter won't go to this church 30 years from now. And your kids won't either, your grandkids won't. Um, if, we're, if we're a racially uh, homogenous and culturally homogenous church, uh, we have a shelf life. We are not an expression of the kingdom of God. And, my, and I'm raising my daughter in such a way that she won't be interested in perpetrating that. So I guess the question for you Vestry is now what? What are we gonna do? And it was really great because they were like, we love this idea, but what's your, what, what do you, what do you think we can do, Phil? What, what, what do you, what, what do you have in mind? And I said, oh, I have no idea. I don't have a clue. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good at this. I have not, I've, I'm not an expert at this. I am telling you, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us into this work. I don't have a clue what it means for us or how it will work. I'm just telling you, this is a thing. Um, a month after that, I was in a board meeting for an Episcopal nonprofit of which I'm a part, Episcopal Evangelism Society. Um, and, um, and we had a guest speaker who's now on the board who's Stephanie Speller. Some of you know Stephanie and she came to the diocese um, uh, last year, I think it was. It might've been a year before that. Um, awesome event that she, was, that she helped lead. Um, and she rolled out to this board, talked to them about um, two things, about the evangelism initiatives of the church with some of the revivals that they were doing in different dioceses. And connected to that, actually, to the evangelism work was this new commitment initiative called Becoming Beloved Community. And her reasoning for connecting them when she talked to us about it was really simple. Not easy, right? But simple. We all know the difference between easy and simple. Um, I, I, uh, I remember once having a, um, 
a you know like a personal trainer guy or whatever i was teaching some gym class and he had you do the the wall sits where you pretend you're sitting in a chair but there's no chair you're just leaning against the wall and he goes it's simple but it ain't easy right so it, the the connection is simple the connection is um that we are uh um that we have a desire to bring new people into the life of this church because it has been meaningful to us. The Episcopal church, we have found ourselves something some, somewhere in it. I didn't come from the Episcopal church. It found me. And I've, I feel so grateful for the, for the, for the connection to Jesus that has been, that has been facilitated and empowered and enriched through my relationship to God and the Episcopal church and the communities here. And also, boy, do we need to expand our understanding of who we are and change uh, be transformed in that understanding and to and invite more people into it. And, and, and Stephanie's point was you, you, you can't invite people, especially people who don't look like you into this work until you've done some work. You, you don't have the right. And I had a friend um, and, you know, and it's, it's, put church aside for a second in my own personal life, it, it works. You know, you make friends with people, your, ki your kids make friends with people and then you become friends with their parents. So my daughter's got black friends and now I have black friends. Like it's cause they're her parents and my parents. We, we, we were like, we, we usher our kids back and forth to slumber parties and we become friends. So I'm going to the, to the Western and Southern open a couple years ago with some of my friends. And one of these guys that I'd mentioned to about coming to church sometime, come to Redeemer. And yeah, it's fine. Oh, it's pretty white, but God, you'd be welcome. And I like you and he likes me. And he goes, he's a really lovely guy. And we were just texting earlier today and he was checking in on me, but he goes, you realize I'm never going to come to your church. And I was like, well, I mean, I know, I mean, you know, I know, but like, and he goes, he goes, he goes, what, 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 why people don't understand is we don't want to be there. You, you, you'll never be able to make a change until you understand that we don't want to be there and understand why we don't want to be there. It's not just that you want us or don't want us. We don't want it. And you don't know what you need to understand that. And I was like, uh, and this was before the tennis match. So we hadn't even like enjoyed the company yet. Right. Anyways, it, it, it was an opening for me. All of this happened within a couple months of each other. And all of this stuff starts to crackle and open up for me about how we needed to be transformed and how it wasn't going to be some simple matter of inv inviting, quote unquote, the you know, new people um, or, or different people who were different from us, uh, skin color wise. It was a matter of like un Redeemer had work to do. And I, and I have work to do, still do. And Redeemer has work to do. So thank God when I asked the question, what, what is this going to look like? It, it, the work that we got into at Redeemer is the work of becoming beloved community, not as a program, because it's not a program. It's a long-term commitment. And it started out with my desire to make the makeup of our church look different. Now I'm like, well, we'll see what happens with that. I, that's beyond my control. But what I can control is my, my commitment and the leadership of the church's commitment to doing our work and doing in our, our understanding of how we got the way we are and what our part is in the white supremacy that infects this country, in the systemic racism that is baked not only into our country, but into my church and its endowment and its privilege and its way of thinking and how to do that work in a way that is honest and authentic not for the sake of virtue signaling and beating ourselves up publicly so we feel good, but actually for the purpose of openly learning what it means to be transformed in this work. So um, I've used up my time and there's so much more to say. What I guess I would just wanna say is, so, so we've created um, a Becoming Beloved Community Steering Committee. 
not a program, but a steering committee whose job it is to over, both to offer up and create certain programs, individualized programs, but also to, to take stock of the different ministries that we have and think carefully about how we can, they can be influenced by the work of becoming beloved community. Not simply how each of them can sort of do its own little program, but how all of the different ministries and all the different parts of the life of our church can be influenced and impacted by the questions, the principles, and the, that are part of the Becoming Beloved Community initiative. Recognizing and repeating that language of a long-term commitment to racial justice, healing, and reconciliation. So we had the Sacred Ground um, program at the church last year. Uh, we've, we've instituted a sort of Sacred Ground 2. Uh, we, we secretly call it Sacreder Ground um, or more Sacred Ground. We don't really, don't worry, it's a joke. But, uh, but, but that idea of like, for people who've done this work, we keep going deeper and we're doing a book club on the book, Me and White Supremacy. Um, and I've made some, some specific commitments to members, leaders of the church about how I'm going to continue doing this work on my own. Um, it's, it's, and what I guess the last thing I'll say, but now stop is, um, I don't even, I mean, we're, we're two years in, I still feel like we only haven't even barely begun and it's convicting and it's hard work and it's scary sometimes. And it is the most joyful work of my career. I have never been more grateful. I have never seen God's presence more clearly. I have never felt more connected to the gospel than I do doing this work with these people. Um, and they're, and my, my gratitude for that is immense. So um, that really is just the beginning. There's so much more to say, but that's, that's sort of where I am waking up into it and where our church is waking up to doing this work. And, um, and I will just one last thing say, um, the church is, I mean, you know, it's not like we get 100% attendance at all the things, but the church is really responsive and really grateful. Um, my community has been really supportive of this work. It's not me pushing against the tide. Um, they, they really are open to the work. Now, we'll see what happens with that. I don't mean to say, and we lived happily ever after. But people have often asked, the reason I bring that up is people often say, well, you're the rector and you want to see this happen. How does the church feel about it? By and large, large the church has been really, really supportive from people in all different positions of leadership and all different parts of involvement in the life of the church. Um, and, and for that, I'm really grateful too. So we'll see what, what comes of it. Thank you for, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to Philip Duvall and a special thank you to Amy Houghton for letting us share this story here. And this is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in the Queen of the Midwest, Cincinnati, Ohio. And this has been Interrupting Grace. And how are you the Interrupting Grace?